0: Welcome to the Ryan Holt Show. On this show, you can expect the latest, the greatest, and the best curated content on business, marketing, automotive, and lifestyle. Sit back, put in your earplugs, and let's enjoy the ride. Now, as always, I want to make sure you get the best in content that will help you monster your goals, both personally and professionally. I want to keep this conversation going. So please check me out on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope at Ryan Holtz one, and then go over to facebook.com forward slash Ryan Holtz marketing. And we can chat there too. I also want you to visit www.ryanholtz.ca as this will be where I put my almighty beloved show notes. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls i am proud to bring you the ryan holtz show let the beat drop and enjoy hey hey everyone welcome to another episode of the ryan holtz show remix 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 some jamaican steel drums need to come in and and, uh, yeah. and yeah, yeah, get some music going on River, <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, I have a really lovely guest here. But before I get into her introduction, again, everyone, thank you so much for all the reviews and all the love and the messages and the downloads on iTunes and SoundCloud and uh, the website and everything. Curiosity is our mandate on the podcast. It has been a really fun ride. Uh, we're already into the 30s for the episode, so it's been a really fun passion project, Um, but it's also, I mean, some of the people we've talked to have just been phenomenal. Uh, We have another phenomenal guest on deck. Her name is Allison Clark. She's got the West Indy bloodline flowing through from Brownstown up to St. Anne's and down to Montego Bay (laughs) and through St. James Parish. I mean, she is amazing, but she is a award-winning author uh she won an award for her first book called the sisterhood about opie daughter of a sorceress and ari her best friend who is a dragon in their journey to save the universe for that she won 2016 writer of the year award by diversity magazine book number two which i'm holding in my hand thank you so much for the signed copy is racine is about a 19 year old Black woman who is on a visit to the Library of Congress goes on a magical odyssey to discover her mystical beginnings. The book has already been nominated for book of the year. Allison, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here. Yay.
0: There we go. So um, we, you know, again, just to give everybody kind of a little bit of context here. In marketing, we, you know, we, you know, it's all about storytelling and um, I think where you guys are going to get the best bang for your buck out of uh, our chat here with Allison today is she's a professional storyteller and, uh, you know, I've met a lot of people and there is the old adage that says, you know, if, you know, we want to write a book, we want to, you know, create a podcast, we want to lose that last 10 pounds. We all want to do everything, but it's almost like the book that was never written. You actually did write the book and a lot of people I've met also want to write a book, but you know, they either start it and stop, they quit, you know, their, their thoughts and creativity. They're getting writer's block, things like that. Allison, can you tell our audience how you even got into writing and how this even came into fruition for you? Oh, I've
1: been writing since grade six, really. And always taking um, creative writing classes. Mm-hmm. And teachers, are very instrumental. So I, I just met up again, reunited with my grade nine language arts teacher, Mrs. Noel. Wow. And she just retired. So I, good thing I met her before she retired. It's hard to get track of her otherwise. <laughs> but she was one of the first to say how to get for writing. And that I should keep going. And her class was like a haven for me because, you know, she was all racism as a kid, you know, so it it yep. now. And her class was a refuge where I could be whatever I want to be, mm. create whatever I wanted to create. And she she helped me stay in school. Honestly, I think if it wasn't for teachers like her, I would have dropped out. Okay. I would have fallen through the cracks. Okay. So I really commend teachers like Mrs. Knoll, another high school French teacher, a high school French teacher. I reunited with Madame Swekla, also very instrumental in keeping me in school and learning French. And I guess it's a gateway, but I'm, more better, I'm better at reading and writing French and speaking it. It's a lot of work to practice. But I went to Paris and spoke a bit and they understood me. Is that something? <laughs> <laughs> but, but they understood me. That was a victory. All those years were wasted. Anyway, but teachers were very instrumental for me. Mm. And then going through high school, um, I was part of the newspaper club, and a teacher was at the helm of that. Again, very instrumental for me, encouraging me to continue, and I published high school papers and that, and I went into university. And then continue on. I was published in The Gateway, mm. the University of Alberta newspaper. Mm. Um, I did more of my own thing. I was in English for a while and switched to sociology. That's all that back, other backstory. <laughs> but the main thing is I finished. <laughs> and now I'm just finished also now with a master's in English. Okay. Focusing on children's literature. That's quite a victory for me. I'm the first on my family to finish the master's degree. It's quite a victory. Good for you. I think about my great-grandmother on my dad's side. My dad is from Barbados, and she worked on a sugar cane plantation. Mm, mm, and, it, and the progression from that to me, and I have cousins who are nurses as well, One's trained to be a doctor. Mm. So I see that progression for us. I think if my great-grandmother was still alive, You know, seeing us, I know she's she's very happy, and where she is right now, she's very happy. I know, and I know her spirit is watching over us. But to see that progression for us, um, but writing has always been a gateway school too. A lot of us are going to grad or undergrad programs to get connections in terms of publishing, and that's what ended happening for me. Um, with the the grad program I was in,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um, Hollins, Hollins University through Virginia and the States. Mm -hmm. And it was a combination. You go on campus for some of your courses in the summer. And the rest, you can do either online and or through independent studies. And that was in the was was a community networking, finding ways to connect with other people. And that's how I got published with the Sisterhood and find Little Bird, who's my publisher now, for the series, it was because of my connections I made to the grad program. How, how, and of how, hard, doing that. how, how hard is it to get published? I mean, it's it, hard now. It's hard now. It's a lot now. harder.
0: It's <laughs> a lot harder. So a wh- what lot did you? Harder. So what did you feel like when you got published? I mean, my God, you must have been jumping through the roof. That's a huge accomplishment.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a victory because um the sister, Kind of like a JK. I'm not saying I am JK, but. <laughs> Like J.K. and a lot of writers, I got rejected with the Sisterhood many times. Mm -hmm. And actually I was about to give up. No, I started out indie published or self-published, and that's fine. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But I wanted to take it to another level, right? And with the Sisterhood, the manuscript being rejected, and I have a strong family support in England. Mm -hmm. A lot of my family are from England and still there. Mm -hmm. You know the West Indian um, story, a lot of West Indians immigrated from West Indies to England for yep. work. Yep. I work in the buses, the trains, or train as nurses. So my dad, mom, and a lot of my uncles and aunts trained as psychiatric nurses. Oh, so we have a strong Clark contingent in London, England, and also in Dobby. I was born Derbyshire, Dobby, so I travel <laughs> different roles. I'm duals. So I travel different worlds all the time. <laughs> so um, a lot of my cousins, my one cousin Jackie, God bless her, she said, Allison, no. Don't give up on this. No. I said, I don't know. I said, no. Keep submitting it. Work on it again and submit again. And I got in with Little through an anthology. That was like um, a collection of poetry and prose. And I found out about that opportunity through my grad program. Because the director connects us to different opportunities for publishing and networking and all that. Allison, how many, so time, I how many
0: times did you submit? Because here, and, and I'm going to ask you a good question here. So uh, many people, and, and a reason why. And I want to, I want to also let everybody know that's listening to this. Allison is a beast when it comes to persistence. Because you have texted me, we have tried to schedule this. It's been, uh, it's been a marathon, <laughs> not a sprint. So even though you're quiet, you, you you come across very disarming as quiet and very nice and low key. You're a silent assassin. You're a ninja. You're you're you're, you're stealthy, and I respect that. I respect that about you. Mm-hmm. But people who are listening, literally, I mean, they write a book. We all know, and I'm sure you felt this way. Why would you know? You write a book, and it's like, well, why would somebody write this book? Why 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 is Allison Clark? Why should somebody read her book? And I'm sure you doubted your book several times. I think that's natural. And you were talking about your family member that said don't quit and keep resubmitting. If somebody says in 2018 I'd like to become a book author, how many times should they submit and should they never stop? And at what point does maybe their story suck? Maybe it's just not good. But what's the difference between their story not good enough and them just having to go through rejection and keep being persistent to get where they want to go.
1: I think persistence is the key. I see a lot of books out there that the quality is questionable (laughs) and they're making a lot of money. Yeah. (laughs) So I say, you know, the arena is for everyone. I think the key is persistence. Also markets are important. Um, Young Adult Fantasy is more opening up. And uh, the guy who won for Best Picture, that director, Del Toro? Oh, okay. his last yeah, name? For yeah, yeah, yeah. Shape of Water, Shape oh, of Water. Oh, yes. Right? Yes. And he was talking about fantasy. How was uh, almost like a fluggy. It's a way to get in to tell your story. Mm. Um, I also started out as a children's picture book author. Okay. And I indie-published those, too. I tried to get Mason published with kids' picture books. It's even harder as a field than I would say fantasy. And I talked to a lot of authors who have done written mm-hmm. kids' picture books. And it's a real hard field to get into. And I talked to one woman. <laughs> it took her a decade. Wow. 10 years Wow, to get mainstream published in the wow. kids' picture book industry. And then I thought, you know what? I'm not going. I'm just going to self-publish or indie publish the kids' picture books. I don't have a decade to wait. So you got to weigh those factors. And then with fantasy, it just seemed easier. I think because, I mean, the popularity a la adults read young adult fantasies. So like Hunger Games mm. is considered young adult, but it's also – considered crossover okay. which means you're all huge adult audience reading it too and so a lot of people read my books or adult people some in their 50s even 60s are reading my books it's quite a victory so the army of light as described in the first book is quite large you have people in their 20s and younger reading but people up in their 60s are reading my books also male and female different colors some Caucasian, some West Indian, African, all these different, some Asian, Chinese, all these different ethnicities, cultural groups are reading my books.
0: Now, have you ever went into a store and did a book
1: signing? I've done that, yeah. yeah. I, I continue. I'm, not, I'm kind of taking a break because I'm working on book three. Okay, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. How many So people- I'm not doing too much, but what I did, I called the, the series of book signings the Sisterhood Tour. Okay. And then I did last year, the Sisterhood Tour Part 2. And I did Audrey's. I did Chapters. I did the Wee Book Inn
2: mm.
1: in the city where I live here mm. in Alberta. So I did that. That was Part 2, and I did it for part, the first book. And I, I, I expanded it. because so I went to England for a book convention, London, England, and my publisher set up because my publisher is British. British okay. Publisher. And again, I think Britain, UK, Ireland, all these places are more gateway to fantasy. C.S. Lewis, you got Jared Tolkien, J.K. Rowling. They have a tradition of folklore, storytelling, that lands more to, to fantasy. And of course, are exceptions, you have Frank L. Baum, who did Wizard of Oz, right?
2: Mm. The American,
1: too. But it's a gateway to something. So when I went over there to London, I have a family there. My cousin Reg came out to support me. It was great. Yeah, and uh, we did some readings. You're networking with other authors, not just in the genre fantasy, genre of fantasy, but in romance. All you know, these different things, and so it's a way to to be part of a community physically. Um, I think the physical thing is very important. The online thing is a different animal. Mm. Uh, I'm trying to connect, there's so much online, mm. and how do you get noticed? <laughs> a lot of people have websites. This that your thing, and now I'm on Twitter, and but you can be very anonymous online. Mm. So I think the face to face is so very very important in that, terms of book signings and another, book face to face.
0: That's another question. That's another question. A lot of people right now. I mean, back in the day, you literally have to get a publisher in order to push your book out. Theoretically, mm-hmm. today, I mean, I could I could write a book, get you know the cover and everything done, and get mm-hmm. a book and then push it out online myself because. Mm-hmm. When we think about distribution, a lot of people are doing ebooks, you know, mm-hmm. things of that nature, free ebooks, little promos mm-hmm. with social media and online with digital marketing is very powerful. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, right now, like Allison, I'm not sure if you, you're doing it, but you could target the book Racine, the online version, the ebook to mm-hmm. young readers who are visible by minority who love fantasy on Facebook for like mm-hmm. pennies on the dollar. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, maybe I should check out that book. So mm-hmm. you're going a very tactful way, a different tactful way in, in terms of, you know, mm-hmm. grassroots where you're, you're, you're putting boots to pavement, you know, mm-hmm. holding babies and shaking hands, so to speak. So do you, <laughs> do, do you feel that the online shift and it's, you know, not just a change, but the Internet is in our life in a big way. Me and you are having mm-hmm. this in- interview right now in two different provinces mm-hmm. via via mm-hmm. the internet, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. do you feel that the online has hit the traditional publishing quite a bit mm-hmm. as an author? What's your take on that? How does that affect you?
1: I think online is important. But again, I'm talking to a lot authors who are not having a lot of success online. Yeah. You really need a big machine to To create more of an online sales, really, and I'm, i read a lot of articles, authors, something like a gazillion followers on Twitter and this kind of thing. And you know what? A lot of us it doesn't really mean anything. Mm. Only mean like one percent of those followers will buy your book. Yeah. And you have a gazillion followers on Twitter, yeah, and, and thoroughly engage, yeah. And I, I read one article again, my another writer, blogger, author, and he said really focus on face-to-face and, and the bookstore. Yes, online is important, but again, we're still anonymous online. So not like, oh, online, online, but how do you get people to your book? Mm. You know, and there's a lot of people online. There's a lot of things going on online and how do you do that. And I'm finding a lot of authors are saying, you really need a really big machine. I'm more of a small press. So that's more challenging. Yeah. And while we're saying... You gotta find different ways because it's like one big highway online, mm. and how to get people to your book. There's so much out there online. Yeah. So I do what I can online. I'm on Twitter a lot. i I think I'm over seven thousand followers. Yeah. My goal is ten thousand. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Good for you. Yeah. Are you, yeah. Are you, inst- 10, are you on? Are you on? Followers. Are you on? Are you on Instagram at all? I'm on Instagram. But I find as an author, Twitter's more useful. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I've In heard- terms of writing communities and that, yeah, Twitter's a lot more useful. I've heard of
0: that before. I've yeah. I've, I've definitely heard yeah. that before by authors and publishers. Yeah. Do you feel it's because it's it's kinda like a little micro blog of instantaneous, you know, tweets and information and you can really, you know I mean a lot of people use Twitter. My biggest thing on Twitter is I think where your success on Twitter comes from is you need to learn how to listen more than you talk because yeah. Twitter is very powerful in that with the hashtags mm-hmm. and stuff, you can really, you know, jump into any conversation and say, Hey, even for my podcast, for instance, what I'll do, because I would say podcast is similar to be, being an, a book author because you're producing a show. Mm-hmm. So people would say, well, mm-hmm. how do you get people to listen to your show? Ryan, I'll literally go on Twitter. I'll search out the hashtag podcast and people will say, you know, looking for podcast recommendations, I'll go to their profile, figure out a little information about them and see how I can explain why my podcast would benefit them when there's Mm -hmm. a million podcasts out there, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So kind of fast forwarding, you did say earlier about J.K. Rowlands and kind of Mm -hmm. you you really talked about how you came into writing and I know you mentioned Mm -hmm. your teacher and stuff like that, but with Racine and with your other book, What was it that you you brought up really good things about people, you know, fantasizing and creating realities and, you know, Mm -hmm. right into the race issues and, you know, Mm -hmm. our current state of the world. Could you could you elaborate on that again?
1: I just I just think fantasy is a way to not only entertain, but in in a gentle way, very gently didactic way to teach and just to put themes of themes of hope and teamwork and put positive things in the world as a game changer
2: Mm.
1: and i remember octavia butler now she's one one of the first black people black women who was author in sci-fi and i'm gonna read her books pretty soon when i have when i finish book three And she got tired of not seeing black people on the page, Mm. (laughs) especially (laughs) in sci-fi. She said, you know what? I just do it myself. And that's how I feel in fantasy because we're not really represented as black people. Mm. But remember, she thought she could do it in a nonfiction way, but she might not get very much readership. Mm. If you start in terms of sci-fi or fantasy, people are more likely to read your book and more likely to get it. So slide things in there slide things in there and for me that's what I do if people get it great wonderful if they don't and they're just entertained mm-hmm. I'm fine with that too but it's great when they get both and get one insane between the lines I even think of like movies like the Matrix trilogy and those yes kick ass actions fantastic mm. but they're also infusing a lot of philosophy and, and really important messages, again, about teamwork, working together, importance of sacrificing as you can for your community, mm-hmm. caring about people, um, critiquing the rat race, um, what is real, what is not. It's an interesting philosophical discussion to be in an action movie.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And they did it, right? Those directors of that series did it. So I thought, you know, it's interesting way of approaching things. For, for, for a lot of us. And I enjoy building, creating different worlds. I've always been, I had a, a great imagination. As a kid, I was always daydreaming anyway. And so it's easier for me to create different worlds and just make things up. And what, I enjoy a, myself.
0: Was that a form of escape for you, you think, creating, you know, the like, I mean, life is not easy. And we're all mm-hmm. looking for escapes. And we you know, especially growing up when you're trying to format your own brain, right, and program mm-hmm. your mind into this crazy world. Do you, did you use reading and writing as a form of escape to create your kind of alter world? I mean, you you spoke about your teacher before and you mm-hmm. said, you know, if it wasn't for her class, I might have actually dropped out. So how intricate, mm-hmm. like, did you kind of do that? Was that kind of a form of therapy in
1: some ways for you, you think? I mean, not just therapy. but I think it was survival, really. Yeah, yeah. And to be honest, when I was growing up and the neighborhood we were in, um, there were only two black kids in the entire school. Yeah. Me and another girl, and that was it. <laughs> and it was just not easy. It just wasn't. <laughs> so I think survival, the imagination was survival. And books were survival for me, reading, escaping. That's why I liked reading The Wizard of Oz and, the center of the earth, you know, it's, mm-hmm, wow. All mm-hmm. you know, these different worlds and all these different technologies. And this is really neat for me. I used to read Nancy Drew and, of <laughs> course, Anime Gables and all these things. And the heroines were smart and intelligent. They weren't flaky, doing their own thing, creating their own narrative. And I think that influenced me, too. Definitely. But I think reading imagination writing was having an escape, but not an escape. It was a way to survive for me. And I read a lot of the other Black authors who also said the same thing, that books and reading and writing were a fame of survival. Mm. Yeah.
0: How does one go from creating fantasy that's really not just fantasy, but based on reality? Because, I mean, you keep bringing up that point of, if somebody reads my book and they get entertainment value out of it, that's great, but if they get both, that's even better. So mm-hmm. for you, how does, I mean, you brought up really cool uh, examples of you know people who basically um, wrote fantasy and created movies and, and realities from the fantasy. What is the difference between reality and fantasy? Because I always say if you can think it, there's something that actually provoked that thought in your brain. Mm -hmm. Maybe it Mm -hmm. was uh, an experience in your life. Maybe it was something that you've seen on a a, a vacation. Maybe it's something Mm -hmm. that you wrote. But you are are a capsule of your life, of your day-to-day life.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. I'm looking at your life, which is embodied by many different things. So Mm -hmm. for you, when you're sitting down, you're talking about book three. Again, try to put yourself in somebody who's listening to the show right now that's mm-hmm. maybe thinking about how to become an author. What what's your process? So you got book three and you have the idea. Are you writing it down on paper? I can see you have a ton of books in the background. You're a crazy yeah. reader. Are you what what is what is Allison Clark's creative recipe? What what works for you? Is it are you taking walks along the beach? Are you you know, closing your doors to the world and turning off your phone to get in the zone of writing? Are, do you prefer to write on paper or computer? Is there a certain ritual that you have when you write? Like, bring us into your world because I think some people could benefit to maybe use some of those tactics for their own, uh, for their own creative
1: purpose. I think walking is important, just being outdoors. Mm. Putting the sun on my skin, the fresh air, it just takes me out. Into a zone just to, to, to free my brain mm-hmm. and just to get a different environment. So that's mm-hmm. important. In terms of writing, I write on my phone, I write on paper, I write on laptop. I think primarily, uh, the laptop. But you know what? I write a lot on paper. I really do. But I also, run. The, I do all these different mediums, really. Mm-hmm. But in the end, I copy it out and type on a laptop. But I have my phone on me a lot, and then I just write notes down on the phone. But I also have a little notepad, and mm. I write on that, too. <laughs> so whatever whatever is easiest for me at the moment, that's what I do. And I'm always emailing things to myself, and then I'll we'll prick them out and uh, do it for whatever book. So for book three, I had a lot of notes from different things that I write on real paper. Yeah. Because there's a magic with pen on paper. that really duplicated. So I do that too. Yeah. And I also write on the phone and I email that and also on the laptop. So I do all the mediums. I do them all. Interesting. And then when I'm, yeah, that's what I do. And then when I'm ready, I put it all on the laptop and write on the laptop. Because I can write and type.
2: Okay. I can write and
1: type. I can do all that. Because I took typing in school. Now, I don't know if they do that now. I want to say this. I think typing is very beneficial. Mm. And I'm not sure if the kids learn that. Now, This one one finger thing. I don't know. <laughs> but I think typing, typing, learning how to type is very beneficial.
2: Yeah, And it's
1: enabled me to just to think and compose and type at the same time. Yeah, And it makes it a lot easier. If I was typing one finger, one or two fingers, I'd be there all day, all year. <laughs> but being able to type. And no. having that skill, I think is very important. I just don't know if they teach in the schools. Anything should continue because on the laptop, you know, just being able to, to type it out and think and get it done is a lot easier than doing the two three fingers thing, which mm. takes you forever. Mm. So I don't know. I know people use this dragon thing. Not really, I don't really. I think it's really necessary to be honest. But typing, really, mm. the skill of typing, I think it's it's um, underrated. I think people should know how to type.
0: Do you know one? Word? Do you know one? Um, do you know one? Uh, one skill that I I wish I would have went back in school and took seriously. Don't get me started on the school system. I'm a very I'm a very skeptic <laughs> of the school system because <laughs> I feel like they don't they don't teach us what we need to know. And I think that now mm-hmm. as an adult, and I speak at a lot of schools, mm-hmm. um, they should teach people about finances. Um, I was talking to my wife this morning. And Mm -hmm. I said, could you imagine that in somewhere between kindergarten and grade 12, you Mm -hmm. mandatorily had to take a course or a class that was called Self-Awareness 101? Mm -hmm. Could you imagine that? Let's say they even brought in, let's say it was a a one class a week um, where they brought in even a psychologist. Maybe they brought in different people Mm -hmm. from different careers. And -hmm. everybody just talked about self-awareness. I feel mm-hmm. like coming up in the world, even as adults, there's so many adults out there that they're not self aware. They're they're trying to be so many different people that they're really not. You know, mm-hmm. even myself included. I'm human. I've I've changed my, my skin so many different times as a chameleon mm-hmm. because some people might say, you know, that's evolving, it's growth. But I think we always, you know, as a young person, I'm a big visualizer. I storytell mm-hmm. in my mind on a daily basis. If mm-hmm. I have a goal or I want to achieve something, mm-hmm. the first step I take is I got to visualize it. So even when I yes. used to play, even when I used to play football, I'm like, "Okay, the game is Saturday, I want to score 5 touchdowns." And I love football. Mm-hmm. You can see my football home in the background. I got the cleats. Mm-hmm. Football was mm-hmm. a huge thing for me. But I said I got to visualize myself running the ball down the field. Mm-hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. if I got to run through somebody, I'm going to kill you over, man. I'm putting my head down. I'm coming (laughs) at you. If I got got to leap and bound over you, I'm going to leap and bound over you. I always say, I don't care how I got to get around you. If I got to go through you or Mm -hmm. around you, but I'm going to get through. I'm I'm going. I'm moving forward. Visualization. Just imagine kids in class for 10 minutes every day. Self-awareness and visualization. Teacher Mm -hmm. comes in. Good morning, Allison. Today, we're starting off our class by visualization and self-awareness because Mm -hmm. I feel like those are the cornerstones of who we are, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's fascinating to me because you're a book author and you're telling a story and it's fantasy, but it's fantasy that's probably derived from a lot of
1: reality. That's right. Right, right. And a lot of the masters did that. So Tolkien... With Lord of the Rings trilogy and so on, he was a veteran of World War One. And he wanted to write about that. But instead of doing the nonfiction, he chose fantasy. Mm-hmm. You can Google that's true. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the horrors in this um Lord of the Rings trilogy of war comes from World War One. Mm. So he wanted to talk about something reality-based, an actual real real event and play it in the world of fantasy. And yeah, they all did it. J.K. Rowling's doing it. Um, Tolkien did it. A lot of the authors do it. In the um, world of sci-fi, Octavia Butler did the same thing because she's talking about issues of slavery, racism in her her books. Mm. Because the nonfiction route, only so many people will go there. Mm. I think you get more people in the way with honey by creating different worlds and doing nonfiction. And so that's the one reason why I'm in this genre. And I was like this building different worlds it's fun mm. there are no rules when you're writing different when you're trained to be a neurosurgeon blah 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 you gotta do things a certain way but in writing especially in fantasy there are no rules you just do create your own universe worlds creatures you know you just do your own thing and it's, it's quite refreshing and i did a thesis right for my master's and that's a different world and I did a creative writing thesis which I'm hoping to publish on Phyllis Wheatley she was the first black American to publish a book of poetry and she was a slave Mm. she published in 1773 so my poetry collection about her kind of chronicles her journey becoming a published author what she had to deal with Mm. and the importance of her I would say her ancestors and so on Mm. so I'm hoping to publish that might indie publish it, who knows? But I'm definitely gonna publish her one way or the other. Cause I think her story is important to tell. You know, being a black woman in that time, slave, not much in terms of rights, mm. right? And there are a lot of things she couldn't say. Mm. So she had to go around the system to say, and she used a lot of double entendres, a lot of um alluding to different things, alluding to mythologies to get what she was saying, because she said directly not kill their slave masters, right? You know the slaves could be killed, this, mm. that, hands chopped off, you know what I mean, right? Mm. It's it's a it's a life it's a life thing, all right? Mm. You gotta make sure you save your life. So you gotta do things that are not life threatening. Mm. So she was smart and she did things using the Greek mythology and all to say what she really wanted to say. And so a lot of people figure, oh she did this, oh because there are a lot of folks back there saying, oh, she wasn't against slavery. It's kind of nonsensical crap. But when you analyze her writings and your verse in the Greek mythology in that she's doing a double entendre, saying one thing, doing something else, mm. quite smart to get her point. And she needs people to get it. And there's one guy who became um, an abolition- abolitionist. His grandmother, I think, bought the book And I know her book or collection of poetry inspired him to be an abolitionist fighting against slavery. So Mm. her words had power and people got it. Black, white, people got it. Mm. And that's quite a victory. So I hope to publish her, my collection about her and uh, doing doing that. So uh, it'll be interesting. But the academic world is a different world. And there are a lot of rules... What the thesis I had to do things a certain way, and uh, I, you know, and then I had to write kind of like a paper, kind of talking about the importance of what I was doing in the yeah. world of children's literature. So the grammar and this and that, and you know, yes, grammar is important in writing, but you, as you know, you can break the rules all the time, right? I'm you can terrible. Have, like, terrible you, at you grammar. Have,
0: I'm horrible. You can, like,
1: you, you can have fragmented sentences. As a stylistic thing, right? Mm. You can do it that way. Or break the rules. You know what? I break the rules. You
0: you know what? Next time, next time I write write something, and somebody says, "Ryan, your grammar's awful." I'm going to say, "Allison said it's a stylistic tactic. (laughs) I did it on purpose to create theatrical effect." You can though. (laughs) But 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 let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. It's so funny. If you asked years ago, you know, I I I I did like language arts. I've always liked. I used to get in trouble in school a lot for talking in class. I'm sure you probably know why, right? I always talk, and Ryan's always talking in class, and I was always that student that's like, if somebody said Ryan, you know, I, I need you to do the paper like this. Why though? Why, Mrs. Mm-hmm. Clark why Miss Clark I'm curious I'm always a curious brain now as you know in schools and I can't speak for the schools now but when I was in school uh, some teachers they would look at a student like that and think oh my goodness this guy he's causing trouble talking in class Mm -hmm. other teachers looked at me and said he's just a very curious creative different Mm -hmm. mind you know Mm -hmm. there's a quote David Goggins and you should you should look him up but he says Mm -hmm. his whole goal in life is he wanted to be uncommon. Amongst uncommon people
1: So oh. he's
0: There's only something like 50, 30 some Black Navy SEALs in the US uh, Military In the world ever oh. And he was like number 37 Or it could be 57 I could be paraphrasing But basically there's a handful of people And David Goggins basically said When I became a Navy SEAL I didn't want to be known just as a Navy SEAL I wanted mm-hmm. to be uncommon Even amongst uncommon people and i think that, oh, that that's something it's like you being an author just because you're mm-hmm. an author and people refer to you as an author that's a label it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean that you have to subscribe to that label because you're more mm-hmm. than just an author the right. author mm-hmm. the author is just the conduit of what you're mm-hmm. doing right mm-hmm. it's like me if somebody says ryan what do you do i'm an entrepreneur if you want to label me mm-hmm. but i'm i'm many things you know today i you know i'm yes. this but i might be many more things right yes so there's a great quote. It says, "Ego is the anesthesia that deadens the pain of stupidity." Mm. Interesting. Mm. It's a yeah. powerful it's a powerful statement. Mm. "Ego is the anesthesia that deadens mm. the pain of stupidity." And mm. I I find that's a very telling quote, you know. So if mm. we go in and just kind of segue growth mindset language versus fixed mindset language and mm-hmm. I had a guest on. His name was Jason maine from Nike, and he he was a poet with his words. He's one of the first um, black interns for the Nike Air Jordan brand, and one of the youngest. And he's very oh. articulate with his words. I I encourage you to go and listen to that podcast I did. You okay. will be you will be floored with his his tact, his education, yes. and his words. Okay. I mean, he's amazing, and he, and he literally says. Stand in service to others by being your full, authentic self. Yes. Right? Mm. Because you said, it, you said it best earlier. You said, you know, I, I, I can't always do it the way they want to do it. I love writing because it's so free. I, there's mm-hmm. no rules. I can do it in a way mm-hmm. that's me. And it's really mm-hmm. captivating different aspects of you. So,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, in the black community in the United States, it's fixed mindset. Mm-hmm. In Canada, we take, it, take this for granted. Here's what we say to ki- our kids in Canada. When mm. you go to university, mm. when you become an author, when you become a doctor, if you mm. go to the south side of Chicago, they say, if I live till I'm 25, mm. if I go to, you see what I'm saying? It's a yeah. It's not a growth yeah. way of talking to yourself. So no. for you as an author who's taking words and putting them mm-hmm. into a book, That basically, I I always like it. You know what I call an author? An author is, uh, you did our dirty work for us. Okay. And (laughs) and the reason I say that is, you spend so much time and energy researching, gathering all these crazy thoughts, and then putting it into one beautiful, you know, including the cover, a hundred and, my God, a hundred and forty-two page book, Alison Clark, and this hundred and forty-two page book, it's probably worth a quarter of your life. That's mm-hmm. amazing, right? What do you think?
1: Oh yeah, I'm happy with this book. And to tell you more, yes, the second book we as well as the first, they're both in the Library of Congress Ooh. in the permanent collections. Wow, it's quite a victory. it's hard to do with a battle to get them in there. <laughs> how many people they are in there? How many pe- how many bo- <laughs> how many people do
0: you think have read? Both your books combined. And I know it's I tough got, to know
1: because I, mean, I I don't know, but I'm getting a lot of really positive feedback and a lot of people are buying my books who don't know me, which is another victory. So I have my chapters here in town. Uh on white, uh South point. I have the Audrey's as well. And a gallery, a lotus art gallery. And they're doing they're doing well. And you know, it's just nice to see. What I'm really, really happy about, but I kind of knew, because I've always had a good gut instinct about my writing and my narrative and what I'm doing. I knew that I could cross different demographics with this book and even with the book, two, So I do talk about the experience of black people, experience of racism, and they're framing it in this fantastical, magical world. Mm. So real-world problems... Right, and then building a fantastical world. Mm. And I knew that I could go in this direction, and people are getting it from different demographics and cultures. So, again, you have know, white Caucasian people reading this book, you know, black people reading this book, Chinese who reading this book, you know, Filipino. It, it crosses all these different demographics. And I knew I could do that. Mm. So, I made it universal as well that mm. it welcomes everyone. Because I'm talking about issues. They're not just about you know race or ethnicity, but other issues like family. What is family? What is home? What is home? Mm. For a lot of us, no one. For a lot of us, I think we have more than one home. Being people of color, because of our ancestry, what happened to us, slavery, and imperialism. But even people who are not black or West Indian or African have issues of where is home, because a lot of people have families that are very dysfunctional. And I refer to that in book 2 Racing. Mm. And so by bringing in international universal themes, I am bring in a whole other demographic, demographics. And so my readership is international. Mm. And I knew I could do it that way by inviting people in through different types of narratives. So do you make enough money to be a full-time author? No, I don't. So I teach. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, other things. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but this is
0: what people, I mean, we got to ask the question, right? Because I know,
1: and it's, it's, it's
0: fair. Because people uh, want to know, they're like, yo, can I make a living being an author? And I mean, yes. Not
1: really. You can get <laughs> grants. You can get grants, but they're hard to get. I'm being honest. Yeah. I and mean, a lot of people I know who don't get these grants. Yeah. And even if you get grants, how much money are you really making, to be honest, really, right? Yeah, yeah. But grants would be the only way to kind of make a living but you only get so much right in the grant, yeah i think a lot of us teach um what do you teach is, hmm? what do you teach i do different worlds so i teach creative writing oh. i'm on a break right now with book three sure <laughs> sure yeah so i've done it through what clean authors association uh albert health services oh. And I'm now i just doing it more on my own. We'll I, see what else happens. Can I ask why Why Alberta Health Services? How, why why nah, would I don't know. I guess how it worked out. I, I, I stepped away because I was trying to move on. Yeah. But my clients were people with mental health issues. Okay. And writing was away. way. Okay. Kind of like therapy. art therapy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yep. that was quite exciting. Okay. So but I stepped away from that. And did the you King know, Author Association did that. And now I'm just kind of taking a break and, and doing sure. other things. Um, I'm also now a member of the board at the Writers Guild of Alberta, okay. which is quite exciting. Very cool. Yeah. Very yeah, cool. So I volunteer, but it's a good way to network, and I'm doing that. Yeah. And so I'm just doing different things. So right now it's more about book three, but when I can, I'll fit more teaching in, especially of creative writing. Yeah. I'll fit that in there. Yeah. And that'll be very exciting for me to to get that in there. So, but I'm really happy with book three. And the only thing I will say is, of course, it's sequel to book two, and that's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's let me let me ask, ask let me ask you this.
0: Let me ask you this. And now I'm cherry picking. If I was to become an author, and you heard me speak, and this is how we kind of came into fruition, let's say Ryan was going to write a book and i'm gonna see how insightful you are here i'm gonna give you about two and a half seconds to think up a really great answer <laughs> after this question but okay <laughs> what genre would you say i would be would write in if i was to come up with a book what genre i think for you
1: biography
0: interesting
1: I think you should write about your own life you think so eh or autobiography yeah what? Autobiography. why is that I think you just have an interesting story to tell about yourself. I think um, biography or autobiography would lend, lend the closest to that. I just, mm. uh, listening to you, I'm just thinking autobiography. That's just, yeah, I interesting. think. Yeah.
0: Now, you hunted me down to come on the show, and when I spoke at the YEG come up event, um, mm. uh, uh, Karis uh, and everybody over there, fantastic people. Um, why did you want to come on the podcast? and you were relentless. I mean, this has been how many months. <laughs> how many months is this I, I mean I can't remember when I, I spoke there. I can't remember how many months, but you said, you know I want to come on the podcast. What was it about? You seem very um, impacted and you can tell you're somebody that really goes with your gut a lot, you know mm-hmm. and you' you're, you're observant. So why did you want to come on the podcast? I like I, I'm gonna I, I don't ask every guest this question. Um, but I'm going to start asking a lot of the guests because it's really interesting some of the answers that you get.
1: Okay, I'd say conversation. Mm. I already got a good feeling about you <laughs> and the Jamaican background, yes. but just you're just very motivated. Yeah. And attending that seminar, talking about social media and the things you're doing, you're very organized, you're very driven. And you really have your goals in mind. And mm. I like that about you. And you're very, guess why you're an entrepreneur. You're just very self motivated. You're on a mission. <laughs> on a mission. And you're not afraid to work hard. Yeah. I I mean, like I said, a, a lot of people who want these things, we're not willing to work hard for it. They're just, just going to fall on their lap and da da da. And, <laughs> yeah. and it's not, that's not how it works. You and I know that. we yeah. all doing our thing. Whatever path. Whatever career, whatever, whatever dream we're going on, we all of us know it's a lot of work. Mm. But there are folks out there saying, oh, I can have this, not do anything. And it's like, no, it can work.
0: It's, it's so funny because if somebody said like, <laughs> if somebody said, I mean, it's funny how we talk about goals because goals yeah. are, are kind of these things. For me, a goal is like, it's kind of like I'm creating this thing that I never, ever want. You know what the secret is? I never, ever want to get to the goal. I love the journey. It's the hustle, you know, like it's, it's the story. I mean, the goal is, I mean, when I die, you know, I'll be, I'll be, you know, in a casket (laughs) underneath, praise God. But you know, it's like, it ain't never going to be over. Like Mm. when I hear people say, I'm looking forward to retirement,
2: Mm. what,
0: what the hell do you want to retire and sit on your ass (laughs) and do nothing? I'm never going to retire. So It's funny because, you know, my wife and I as a family and as a whole, and she's an entrepreneur too, Mm -hmm. is we enjoy our life every day. Mm -hmm. And we don't wait till we're 50 to take a trip or 65 to take that trip. Lord have mercy. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. So I'm not saying Mm -hmm. be reckless with your life today. Mm -hmm. We're Mm -hmm. not reckless people at all. Mm -hmm. But seize the day. Yeah, I think I agree. It's funny because when we talk about it, it, what's really cool and I mean, go and listen to the podcast, Allison, but mm. it, when you hear some of the guests talk that i brought bring on, you all share very similar characteristics, even though you come from completely different backgrounds, and everybody mm. who comes on talks about the work it takes, talks about the commitment mm. it takes. when you talk to them about retirement, mm. they start laughing because they they say. It's not about saving up enough money so I can do nothing. I'm not worried about that. Mm-hmm. It's that mm-hmm. I want. I love what I do every damn day. Why would I want to ever get rid of that? It's a beautiful That's thing. Right. Right? That's right? And it's so funny because as an author,
1: your story yes. isn't over till it's over. No, no. And is it ever really over? No, it's not. It's not. No, it's definitely
0: not. So oh. don't, don't worry about the video right now. Allison, we're going <laughs> to just keep talking. Don't mess around with that. Okay. Um, what I'd like to do now is just get into a quick little fire round okay so okay. Uh, I'm gonna ask you a quick a couple quick questions and you're simply going to uh answer them. Are you ready for that yes I'm ready. <laughs> just give me one sec um okay on a scale of one to ten, how weird are you one <laughs> I think I think I think that's BS. <laughs> uh if you could send a message to yourself 10 years ago, what would you tell the younger Allison?
1: Oh, that's a good one. I would tell her to do what you want to do, go with that instinct, stop listening to other people. You know what's best for you. Okay. Where do you get your best ideas? I don't know, life
0: <laughs> uh what's for dinner tonight can you cook a mean jerk chicken an aki and fish, some kalaloo?
1: <laughs> oh well i did a curry goat the other way Whoa. The other day. it was fabulous my curry goat, yay
0: so you know what i'm gonna do now 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 uh, you're on my iou list so now i'm gonna be like allison <laughs> owes me a couple sessions of creative writing and some crazy curry chicken some crazy Yay!
1: Caribbean food. I like it. Oh, I can do it. Uh, I, can are, do it. I did <laughs> I had out the other day. I did some plantain. It was very exciting. <laughs> good, and it's fabulous and it tastes fabulous. Good for you. <laughs>
0: are, are you are you a hunter or gatherer? I don't
1: know. I think I'm a hunter.
0: Okay. You're a new addition to a crayon box. What color would you be?
1: Mm, maybe, I don't know. Uh A new shade
0: of yellow? golden yellow? peachy yellow? Who would win the fight between uh, Superman and Batman? I hate Batman. Okay. How do you define
1: success? Mm, I define success.
0: By not picking up that phone. Not giving up. Not giving up. Not giving up. Okay. One piece of advice you would give someone who is scared shitless. Don't listen to your fear. Okay. Allison, I want you to tell people how they can reach out to you, where they can go and get your book, and talk about if you're offering creative writing lessons or how can people reach out to you and and chat with you?
1: Okay. Um, I'm on Twitter as Mythologist 200. Mm -hmm. I am on Instagram as Monet Lover, like the painter, M-O-N. E T L O V E R 200 on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. My author page, Allison Clark. A L I S O N Clark. C L A R K E. My books are at Audrey's downtown, under 7th Street and Jasper. Okay. Chapters on White's. So it's 82 Avenue and 105 Street. Okay. And um, yeah, right now. Yeah, just check those things out to find out what's going on, what I'm doing. And I'll be doing more once book three is finished. I'm on book three right now. It should be done by the end of August. And I'm very excited. It's um, the first cycle. So it will be a trilogy. And then if I want to continue on this odyssey, there'll be three more books. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. Good. And to say more, I'm doing another type of storytelling more visual. we not saying much about it right now until I get this third book done. No problem. So a, another expansion of the sisterhood universe, Good which I'm you. very excited about.
0: Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Well, we're going to close out the show. Uh, I want to thank on behalf of team Holtz and the Ryan Holtz show podcast. I want to thank Alyssa for coming on the show. Everyone, everyone, everyone. I cannot tell you how important it is. Please. If you like the podcast to drop a review on iTunes or Google play, Share it amongst your friends. And we do have a Facebook group in which we connect our listeners with our guests, which is called the Reinhold Show Community. And everyone, you can reach out to me at Reinholds1 on all the social media platforms. And you can also uh, go and click the like button on our Facebook page, which is the Reinhold Show Podcast. And on the Instagram at the Reinhold Show Podcast. is our mandate, baby. We don't do boring. We only do real. Allison, thanks so much for coming on the show
1: thank you so much i had so much fun i knew i would with you